Well, good morning. Welcome to the sleep-in service. Glad that you are here. If you're in the room, welcome. If you're online, we're glad that you're here as well with us. I'd like to start off with some good news because it's always good to start with good news. So uh, Andy Tellman is our worship director at over all six of our campuses. Andy and Lauren welcomed a brand new baby boy this past week. And so Leo Page Tellman was born and he weighed in at a whopping nine and a half pounds. Wow. Apparently, Leo drove home from the hospital, so they're all doing good, and we're glad that they are uh, just excited in this new season for Andy and Lauren, and I know when you see them the next time, you'll want to congratulate them. Hey, some more good news. March was Missions Global Focus Month here at Christ the King. Our goal was $88,500 to send out our very first global ambassadors that would connect with our global partners and build bridges for you to be able to walk over them. And once again, as you have become a very habitual in doing, you actually gave more than the goal required, which is fantastic. This year's total was $127,504.36, and we should give some praise for that. That's great news. On top of that, we had a great Easter, and people came to Jesus, people came back in the room. We were excited to continue that journey with everyone, and if you're back for your first week after Easter, we're so glad that you're here. Hey, before we open the Word of God, let's pray and ask God to help us today as he reveals all that he has for us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for every person who is watching at home right now or is here in the room with me. God, we are so grateful for the work that you have been doing, stirring people in this interesting season. So God, as we come to you today, we rely on you to open our eyes, help us to see what the scripture has to say. And God, may we be obedient to all that you're calling us into. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this series has been rooted in Ephesians chapter 4. The Bible says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So there's one Lord Jesus Christ, there's one faith in Jesus, and there's one act of obedience, and that's to be baptized in the name of Jesus, and that's where we're going to focus today as we look at that little phrase, one baptism. And as soon as I start, start talking about baptism, I have a little flashback to this past Tuesday morning. I'm in Long Island, New York, teaching at a pastor's conference, and there was a section in one of my sessions filled with Jesus followers from Burma. If you've been following the news, you may be familiar with some of the atrocities that have been happening in Myanmar, as it's known now, and you know the pain and the hurt of that group of people. I talked with their pastor after the session, and I heard how the people who were listening in the room that day were actually survivors. Their pastor described a moment when he was baptizing people and as they emerged out of the river in Myanmar, they were gunned down by the Burmese army. Can you imagine the heartbreak of that? The pastor said, he goes, I thought no one would ever get baptized under my ministry again. And then he appointed to his church, this little group of survivors who had accompanied him. And he said, every one of them accepted Jesus after that incident and they were all baptized in the same river because following Jesus means everything to them. Everything to them. 
So just being here takes me back to that Tuesday morning, and there's a passage in Scripture that has exactly the same effect. It's a Scripture that I read in the New Testament that takes me back to an Old Testament understanding. 1 Corinthians 10 says this, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, and then they passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. So I read those words, which is a summary of Moses and his people being rescued from a very hopeless situation. It's a very famous story, and I remembered a truth that I believe we should remind ourselves all of the time, and that's this. Every story in the Old Testament finds its hope, fulfillment, and realization in the Jesus of the New Testament. Every one of the Old Testament stories points you back towards Jesus. That's why 2 Corinthians 1 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Jesus, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So every story in the Old Testament points you to the Jesus of the New Testament. Let me unpack that for you. Earlier I read to you from 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10 takes me back to Genesis and Exodus of the Old Testament, to the beginning of the Old Testament. So let me recap. We're going to go back to this Old Testament story, and then we're going to see how every single piece of it applies to us right here in 2022. Let me recap the Old Testament story in case you need a recap or you just missed the flannel graph story in Sunday school if you were a part of the church back when you were a kid. So God gives birth to the nation of Israel through a guy named Abraham. And then because of disobedience to God, God's chosen people end up enslaved in Egypt. Now, before they get enslaved, God promises freedom ultimately to the people of Israel. So Genesis 15, 14 tells them what's going to happen before they're taken captive. The Bible says, but I will bring judgment on the nation they serve. And afterward, they will come out with great possessions. So at this point in history, the Israelites have been enslaved in Egypt. God appoints a guy by the name of Moses to deliver his people. Keeps sending him back to the Pharaoh of Egypt with the famous words, right? Let my people go. The Pharaoh keeps saying no. So God sends 10 plagues, 10 dramatic opportunities for the Pharaoh to change his mind and redirect his actions. But he stays fixed on no, no. Just as a side note, It's never good to say no to God, just so we're clear, okay? God steps in, and he physically delivers the Israelites from physical slavery. So listen to this scripture that happens right after the plagues. It says, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. The rest of the verse says this, Take your flocks and your herds as you've said, and go, and also bless me. So out of the fear of more plagues, the Egyptians wake up the Israelites in the middle of the night and say, we've had enough. Get out of here. Just go. Take your stuff and our stuff. Like, just please, for the love of God, go. And the Israelites do. They get up and leave. And then Pharaoh has a moment of clarity. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just let my entire workforce leave. That's not good for economics. I changed my mind. Go get my army, chase those people down, and bring them back here. 
The Israelites run and they end up getting pinned against the coast of the Red Sea. It's hopeless. There's nowhere to go, no options, no escape, no hope. Some of you feel exactly that same way today. Nowhere to go, no options, no escape, no hope. And Moses is the leader and he's surrounded by his people who, by the way, are not very happy with him. Why did you bring us here? What are you thinking, Moses? Moses cries out to God. God hears him and keeps his promise. God saves the Israelites from a hopeless situation on the coast of the Red Sea. Think about this. The people are panicked, and in a defining moment, Moses steps up as a leader, and this is what he says. Moses answered the people. Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. God says to this group of people who are pinned on a coastline, nowhere to go, that no matter how overwhelming their circumstances are, this was God's answer. Stop. Be still. Trust me. Breathe. I have no idea what you're facing this week. But no, no matter how overwhelming your situation might be, God is still saying exactly the same thing to you. Stop. Be still. Trust me. Breathe. He promised to be your deliverer, and he will deliver. He promised to be your refuge, and he will be your refuge if you turn towards him and not away. The story's famous, right? In the story, God makes a miraculous way of escape through the water. That's crazy, right? That's why they call it a miracle. He takes them through the water. Chapter 14 of Exodus, verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Can you imagine that moment? God peels back the ocean on both sides. Dry land in the middle. You're walking through, looking into the water, going, I'm eye to eye with the fish. What is up with this? If you think it was confusing for the people, imagine what the fish were thinking when they saw this parade of Hebrew children go walking through the center of their neighborhood. They walk through the parted sea. And don't forget this. Don't forget this. As they're walking, salvation already happened back on the beach. Salvation happened at the moment of deepest need. And now they're walking through the water in obedience as a community to find deliverance on the other side and to claim the freedom that God had promised. Remind you again, before the Israelites even saw the path through the ocean, God called his people to trust him. Here's what happened afterwards. The Bible says, And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, put their trust in him, and in Moses, his servant. There it is. God called to his people, Trust me, I will save you. I'll deliver you. I know it doesn't look like there's a way out. But I'm the God of the impossible. Watch this. 
I'm your salvation. I'm going to lead you to the water and I'm going to lead you through the water, which means this. If God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, everything that he did for the Israelites, he's doing for us right now. Right now. In the same way for us. I love this so much. I'm going to share all of the parallels for us because I want to remind you again, this is where the Old Testament story points us always to the Jesus of the New Testament. So just like Jesus promised freedom for the people of Israel, Jesus promises freedom for everyone who believes. If you believe in Jesus, you're going to realize something very quickly. You were born for freedom. That's why the Bible says in John 8, 36, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Which means this, when you come to Jesus, a process begins inside of you. When you walk out of bondage, you leave the chains behind and you walk into a new life, a new existence, and new freedom. In the Old Testament, this is what happens. God physically sets his people free from physical slavery. Jesus does exactly the same thing for us, but in a different way. Jesus spiritually delivers us from spiritual slavery. Now let's just stop right here. Some of us react very strongly to the word slavery, and so we should. For many people in the history of this country, they were enslaved against their own will. And let's just call it what it was. It was evil. It was evil. And we as God's people should do everything we can, can to understand and feel that historical pain and do all that we can to make sure that as far as it depends on us, freedom should be available to everyone all around the world. Amen? all around the world. In the context of slavery in our history, it was people being held against their own will. In this context, spiritual slavery is actually a choice that we all make. Now, some people live in denial. They react right away and they say, Grant, I'm not a slave to anything. Respectfully, the Bible says you're wrong. John 8, 34, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. That's good Bible right there. Which means this, if you can't let go of something that you did or was done to you in the past, you're choosing to be a slave to the past. If you love to take a morsel of information about somebody and pass it on to anyone other than the person that it was about, you're a slave to gossip. Which means gossip has mastered you. If you're consumed with never having enough and always needing more, you're a slave to stuff. And I hate to break it to you, but you don't own your stuff. Your stuff owns you. If you have to find sexual release in front of a computer screen, you're a slave to lust. Lust has mastered you, but there's hope because Jesus came to set captives free to break bondage so you didn't need to keep going back to the same thing over and over and over again. If you're convinced you're just fine, completely capable, and, 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 and all you need, the only roadblock in your life is your unrecognized potential, then I hate to break it to you, but you're a slave to idolatry, and the idol is you. So just stop and think for a moment. Where are you shackled? What has a hold on you? And when did you forget that you may be shackled, but Jesus has a key? 
and he came to set you free. If you can actually admit there's areas of your life where you've been enslaved, I have even better news for you. Galatians 5 says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Just like the Israelites, we're all completely hemmed in by our own sin. We don't think there's a way out. Our backs are up against a wall. There's nothing in front of us but a sea of despair. And coming behind us is an accuser who loves to condemn us. And right in the middle of that steps Jesus, who says, oh, I have a way out for you if you'll take it. See, just like he did for the Israelites, Jesus saves us from a hopeless situation. Our situation is not an ocean. Literally, it's an ocean of sin. Ephesians 2 starts with these words. And don't lose heart as I begin to read because it's going to turn. The Bible says this for you. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. That's a description of all of us. And that's hard to hear because it's true. You were dead spiritually. But, I love that word. But because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. For it is by grace that you've been saved. That's good Bible. Jesus makes a way out. Just like he made a way out through the Red Sea, Jesus makes a miraculous way of escape through his blood. Ephesians 1 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, which means this, on the cross Jesus saves me, I'm redeemed and restored and renewed, and then he calls me into the water and onto a path of obedience. But don't forget that moment of fear. What did God say? Stand firm, don't waver. Today you will see God's deliverance. Don't be afraid to go public. Some of you know exactly where we're going with this. Don't be afraid to go public. Don't be afraid to enter the water. Don't be afraid to get your hair wet. Don't be afraid to get up in front of a group of people. Jesus calls us to trust him. John 14 says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. When God called the Israelites to trust him, he took them through the water. And I can tell you, as someone that's walked through my fair share of water, he will not let you drown. So at Christ the King Church, after someone gives their heart to Jesus, their next step is to get baptized. And that's what we're doing next weekend in all of our services. We're gonna fill up the tank. We're gonna clean it ahead of time. We're going to fill it with water. And we're going to celebrate in every single service some people who've known Jesus for exactly seven days <laughs> as of this morning. And we're going to celebrate it with a whole bunch of people who haven't been baptized before, but now is their moment. And we're going to celebrate and we're going to clap and we're going to hoot and we're going to holler because we celebrate obedience at Christ the King. We baptize in water because there's imagery involved in that. I'm going to explain that in just a moment, but I want to tell you on the front end, baptism doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. Baptism just tells the rest of the world that you get what Jesus did when he saved you. This Old Testament story is laying a picture of what we're supposed to do when Jesus calls us into the waters of baptism. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's why I love the stories of the Bible. 
Old Testament stories point us toward Jesus. New Testament stories often point us back to the Old Testament, which bounces us right back to Jesus. And I love looking back, and let me tell you why. Looking back can be powerful because anything that takes you back can also remind you of how far you have come. And God has been so faithful as he's walked us through obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. As soon as we talk about baptism, there are things that people normally object to. It's like, Grant, I'm just shy. I don't like to get up in front of a group of people. And I've seen you, like, you know, when you bring people out, they kind of, they walk out on the stage and then we pray for them. Can I tell you something? This is the safest place that you could ever make that decision because everyone that's standing in front of you is for you. And they love the decision you're making and they're so thrilled to have a front row seat. And I'll tell you something else. The lights are so bright up here, you can barely see anybody anyway. And the reason we want to do it publicly is because Jesus died publicly. He came back to life publicly and he wants you to be embraced by your community. This is family. We are for you. Don't let your shyness get in the way. We want to cheer for you and celebrate the change that Jesus has made in your life. There's another objection sometimes. It's like, Grant, I don't want to get my hair wet. Really? Really? Nobody cares what you look like. They're thrilled with your story. It's like, go home soaking wet. It's the perfect way of celebrating all that Jesus has done for you. Some of you are like, well, well, I don't want to get baptized until my grandma can be there. Your grandma may never make it. And do you want, do you want to know what your Jesus-loving grandma would tell you if you were thinking about bapti- getting baptized? She'd say, get in a tank. Send me a DVD. I know how to work one. I mean, just seriously. I've been praying for this my whole life. Don't miss the opportunity. There's so many objections. I'm just not ready yet. If you know Jesus, you're ready. I talked to a guy after the 9.30 service. He said, Grant, I got saved 38 years ago. I've never been baptized. I'm like, brother. Why? He said, I don't feel worthy. None of us are worthy. Jesus is worthy. He stands in front of you and tells his father, this one's with me. I chose him. He chose me. He wraps a robe of righteousness that you don't deserve around your shoulders. He stands you in front of God the Father and says, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. I am so well pleased with them. And because of the testimony of Jesus about you, You are accepted. You are welcomed. That doxology in Jude I've been quoting over the last couple weeks, and now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the throne without fault and with great joy. Jesus is saying, look at what's happened in my son or daughter's life, and now they're being obedient. I led them to the water. They're going through the water This is cause to celebrate. 
You know where that comes from? It comes from the baptism of Jesus in Mark chapter 1. The Bible says at that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. It's really interesting. John and Jesus actually have a little bit of a disagreement before the baptismal service. John's like, I'm not worthy. And Jesus is like, I know. And think about it for a second. Jesus was sinless. Did he need to get baptized for his sake? Absolutely not. Jesus got baptized for our sake to set an example. This is what I want you to do. Now's the time. No excuses. Now's the time. It says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice from heaven said, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. You know what's going to happen next weekend? God is here all of the time. But the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, will approve of every person being baptized because they are loved and God is well pleased. What is God well pleased with? Obedience. He's well pleased every time one of his children makes a decision to step out in faith. Let me boil baptism down for you. It's a private decision that goes public. The private decision is to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And then that private decision goes public. I'm going to say it again because it's so important. Baptism doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. But you go into the water. Some people go, you know, Grant, could, could we ever, like, I notice there's a little conversation that happens when somebody goes into the tank to get baptized. What are they talking about? Can I tell you exactly what we're talking about? Person comes down into the water and the first question that we ask them is, tell us your name, because your name matters, your story matters. And then we'll say, do you love Jesus with everything you have? And the answer sometimes brings tears. Sometimes it brings laughter of joy, but they will say, yes, I love Jesus with everything that I have. Then we'll say, then upon your profession of faith, we now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then they go down under the water. The reason they go down under the water is it's symbolic of the fact that Jesus was buried for us. We were dead, drowning in our transgressions and sin. Jesus goes under the water. But here's the cool thing. People go under the water. We always bring them back up. We're batting a thousand in the 23 years I've been here. No one has ever ended at the bottom of the tank. We put them down under to symbolize the death and then we bring them back up again. They are raised to life in Jesus because that symbolizes the resurrection of Jesus. It's the best part of Easter. Jesus died but didn't stay dead. So people go under the water, they come back up out of the water. And here's the other thing I think we miss. Nobody gets baptized and stays in the tank. They don't paddle around and swim and do laps for the rest of their life. They walk up out of the steps. They come down. They're often greeted by some of their community. 
They're the best wet hugs in the entire world. And then they leave and they go on the mission that Jesus has for them. That he's prepared in advance. One of the reasons we baptize with people, other people in the tank, that's another thing. Some people will just say, Grant, who, who are the different people in the tank? Well, there's always a pastor in the tank, and then often there'll be someone, you'll see them come down into the water with them. There's someone who is significant on their faith journey who may have invited them to Easter or introduced them to Jesus. I'm just a puddle. When I see moms and dads baptizing their kids, I'm like, I think that's the way that it's supposed to be. It's so beautiful when people are simply obedient. Here's another piece. I've never met a human being yet who can stand in water, cross their arms, plug their nose, throw themselves backward, and then resurrect themselves on their own. You might paddle over to the side and drag yourself back up again, but the reason we do that together in community is because we're probably all going to fall at some point. And we need brothers and sisters there to bring us back to that moment knowing that God will meet us there in grace, mercy, and forgiveness. So there's the opportunity. Next weekend, no excuses, just obedience. And what do you know? You know what's happening right after this service? A baptism class. It just happened to show up on the schedule. If you're here today and you believe this is your moment next weekend, we want to celebrate with you. So what you're going to do is this. You're going to walk out those doors. You're going to turn hard left. You're going to go upstairs on the second floor. Pastor Brian and his team will be there. I always make this promise because of how many people I've heard stay in their seat because they're afraid of what might happen. In the baptism class, nobody will do anything weird. We would just like to get to know your name and a little bit of your story. Nobody's going to put you on the spot. But we'd love to hear what brought you to this moment of obedience so that we can celebrate with you next weekend in all of our services. So whether you just came to Jesus or you came a decade ago, Now is the moment, because there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And if God can leave the Israelites through the water, I know with certainty he can lead you through the water too. Everyone in the room, would you stand with me? Those of you that are home, if you'd like to change your posture just a little bit, we're going to pray. And those that are heading to the baptism class are going to go that direction. I'd like to encourage the rest of you too. Um, Some of you may not have have been able to be with us over the last little while because of health concerns. We totally understand that. Today's a great day to just turn and smile at somebody. Just say, hey, I'm glad to see you. I'm glad that you were here. Let's pray, okay? Father God, as we enter into this holy moment of walking back out through the doors, taking the message of Jesus with us, we thank you that there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, one faith, which is faith in Jesus, and one baptism, which is a moment of obedience that I pray all of my brothers and sisters will choose. So God, in a moment, as we turn to each other and and connect in that biblical community, I pray that you would bless both the conversations. Lord, may no person leave this room feeling unseen. 
And I thank you that you see us every moment of every day. God, we give you praise and we thank you. Would you bless our baptisms next weekend? We anticipate good things from you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Enjoy the sun.